When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is the voice of the working class, Rick Smith. And welcome, brothers, sisters, working class heroes. This is the Rick Smith Show. Thanks so much for being here today on the big program. Lots to get to, lots to talk about. You know, Nikki Haley was really happy at 12.01 Tuesday morning as the good folks of Dixville Knox uh, got out and voted the first bit of voting in New Hampshire. They do midnight voting, been doing it since 1960. Uh, and all six voters came out to vote and all six of them voted for Nikki Haley. It was a sweep. It was 6-0, she won, she, she was winning. And well, the rest of the day didn't go very well for her. Uh, as uh, as as you know, look, everyone knew Trump was going to win, not by the the knockout blow that that happened in 2020 when he got 84 percent of the vote or was it 94? Um, I think it was 84. Uh, but either way, uh, not the knockout blow. Uh, he got over 50 percent. Yes. But it wasn't enough to uh, to to completely take her out of. Uh, out of the primary. So this is going to continue. Look, I I think it's cemented that Trump's going to be the candidate. I know a lot of people are wishing and hoping, and there's a lot of conversations from certain folks going, no, no, it's not going to be Trump. They can stop him. No, it's not. And, and I've been saying from the beginning that Trump's going to be the guy. Like it or not, we have to fight this fight. Uh, you're going to have to stand up and fight for the soul of the country, and you're going to have to do it with ideas. You're going to have to bring moderate, sane, if there are many left, rational Republicans over to the, the Democratic side to vote against Trump. And and look, you know, I got to tell you, I, I was looking at some of the exit polling that really shows just how crazy Trump voters are or what their belief structure is. Uh, because it, what was that? It was like uh, 80% of Trump voters said that they don't believe Joe Biden won the 2020 election. Uh, whereas you go to the other side, the people who voted for Nikki Haley, it was the complete opposite. 83% said, yeah, of course he did. You know, this is this is one of those weird things where, you know, what was it? Uh, 85% of Trump voters said that if Trump's convicted of the 91 felonies uh, that he's facing, you know, he'd be fit for office and I'd vote for him it kind of makes you go, it's a cult. And we have to understand, as a country, have to deal with this. Uh, now, all of the all of the sentiment, oh, it's low energy, it's all this. Look, this is, this is important stuff. Uh, now, understand, you know, Biden won the right-in side of it. There was never going to be a question of, of, of if Biden was going to win, even with people writing his name in. Uh, he's going to be the Democratic nominee. I know Dean Phillips wants to. Uh, I, I'm not even going to talk about that. Uh, I know that they, they, he wants some bit of attention. Uh, not going to matter. 
what has to happen going forward is Biden and and his campaign have got to make a play for the airtime because the one thing that Dean Phillips is right about is Biden and the Democrats have ceded a whole bunch of airtime to Trump and to Nikki Haley and to you know DeSantis and the, the the rest of the clown show that they should have should have been fighting for. Because look, our media just wants a horse race. They just want to they want to they they want something to grab people's attentions. They want they want to be able to rip and tear and and build people up and tear them back down. They they need that. And Biden and the Democrats have got to get out there and they've got to, you know, they've got to engage in this process. Now, the good thing, uh, understand, uh, the primary in New Hampshire now over, going to move on down the road. Uh, Nikki Haley thinks South Carolina is going to be what's going to save her. Might. You know, she she may, she gave one of the more energetic concession speeches that I've ever seen. Very positive, And that's her shtick because uh, she thinks that's that's going to be the, the claim. Uh, I, I do find it interesting that uh, you would never hear Trump concede. And if she does win in South Carolina, do you think do you think Trump would concede? The answer, no. Now, the good thing is there's some polling coming out of my state of Pennsylvania that gives me some hope. Uh, a new Susquehanna polling and research poll finds that Biden is leading Trump in, in my state, 47-39. That's, I got to tell you is great news this far out from the election for an incumbent president that has not been, has not, has really not been out there fighting uh, the fight, has not been out there saying, hey, look at me, this is why. I don't think they've made their case yet. And that's why I think right now, you better start doing that. Uh, Trump is going to be the guy. And if, and look, Dean Phillips is wholeheartedly sold on, there's no question Trump's going to win. I don't know. I think there's a there's a 50-50 shot, maybe a little bit better than 50-50 that Trump does win. I think there's a, a real a, a real chance of that if the Biden camp doesn't get out and make their case. And I think they will. Look, the whole summer is all going to be about, hey, look what, what we've done. Look at our record compared to Trump's record. Look at the direction we're taking the country. And as I've said a number of times, and I've gotten a lot of people to say, you know, I, I think you're right on this, Rick. I know I'm right on this. They need to go out there and talk about vision. They need to talk about future, where we're heading. Say, yeah, things have been tough. We inherited a massive mess, a historic mess, a once in a hundred year mess from Donald Trump. We had to clean that up. Not to mention, not to mention the people who who came into our capital and soiled our floors. Uh, literally had to clean the you know what out of the rug. So you know, in that you'll go look. We 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 did all this. We did the work. We're going in a direction that's going to give us hope and opportunity for the future. We're going to rebuild that pride of community. We're going to rebuild that pride of production. We're going to rebuild that pride of of having disposable income to be able to take vacations and put a second car in the driveway. And we've got to be talking in those economic terms of we are moving in that direction. We are out of this crisis. We are using good policy. We're using smart investments to build a future that is worthy of, well, our history. You know, think about it. You know, after World War II, my grandparents and their generation came back from fighting fascism overseas. 
to build the most prosperous, wealthiest working class in the history of humanity. And they did that by doing the things that Biden is moving us towards. The idea of domestic production for domestic consumption. Build stuff here, made in America, with American workers, American ingenuity, and and build it here, sell it here, consume it here. And make sure that those jobs that are being produced are the kind of jobs that people can support a family on. Not McJobs where, hey, you can just get by. I mean, there's a lot of talk right now of propping up our billionaire class because look how wonderful and how smart they are. Thank goodness for our billionaires or we'd all be broke. It's really quite, I don't know, quite ridiculous if you stop and think about it. But from this moment forward, they've got to get out and make that message. They've got to get out there and sell the fact that there is a a good vision for the future. Because the narrative has been to this point, the economy's all bad, we're in the wrong direction. Ask any Trump voter. The sky is falling. Recession around every corner, you know, right behind MS-13. And the illegal immigrants and all the other problems that that they keep, you know, fixating on and not, not ready to fix. The fact that we've got an immigration deal mostly kind of done in the Senate and uh, it's going nowhere in the House because they understand the, the issue is more important than the solution. And that's a lot of this stuff. So for us, the voters, if we want better, we got to vote for better. And this idea, well, you know, Donald Trump's listening to us. No, he's not. Donald Trump has told you what he's going to do. It's all about revenge and retribution. It's all about Trump 2025, Project 2025, all loyalty, patronage, and destruction of all the things that Biden's done. Look, all the good stuff that Biden's done goes away if Trump becomes president. All those investments that we're making in manufacturing, all those historic investments we're making in infrastructure, that stuff stops. And they give all that money to, well, to the very wealthy. So we create a wealthier wealth class. Isn't that just great? So while everyone knew Trump was going to win New Hampshire, not a big surprise, not shocked by any stretch of the imagination. I got to tell you, it, it wasn't. It wasn't the knockout blow. It wasn't what what I think they were hoping for, which tells me, again, uh, Trump is beatable. And in November, when it's Trump and Biden, I still think there's a good shot that Biden can pull it out with the right messaging. You got to get out there and deliver the punchlines. You got to get out there and ball up the digits and, and mix it up. And a Democratic Party that has to get have some message discipline. Just my views. I want to hear yours. Email me, Rick, at thericksmithshow.com. Got a lot to get to today. Our good friend Pete Dominic's going to be here, comedian and podcaster over at Stand Up with Pete. Uh, you, you want to check that out. going to take a quick break right back after this with our good friend Pete Dominic. We 
We are AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. We represent 700,000 federal and D.C. government workers who are the vital threads of the fabric of American life. We support our nation's military. We take care of our nation's veterans. We protect our nation's borders. We respond to our nation's crises and natural disasters. We provide services to our nation's seniors. The American Federation of Government Employees. We work for America. We are AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. We represent 700,000 federal and D.C. government workers who are the vital threads of the fabric of American life. We support our nation's military. We take care of our nation's veterans. We protect our nation's borders. We respond to our nation's crises and natural disasters. We provide services to our nation's seniors. The American Federation of Government Employees. We work for America. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So I got to tell you, Nikki Haley gave one of the most, uh, one of the most cheerful, uh, one of the nicest concession speeches I think I've heard there in New Hampshire after it was announced that she was going to lose. And look, everyone knew she was she was going to lose New Hampshire. Uh, it was close. It was close. Yeah, got to give her credit. Uh, but she's her cards are, I think she's betting all on South Carolina. But the quote that grabbed me out of the whole speech uh, was how she's going to go after Joe Biden. And, you know, Joe Biden isn't getting any younger, she said. And, and in my mind, I go, you know, neither is Donald Trump. Have you been following some of the crazy nonsense coming out of his, his pie hole? Uh, anyway, here to share some thoughts on, well, the sanity and where this may all go, I've asked our good friend Pete Dominic to come talk with us. Stand-up comic, host of Stand Up With Pete. You can find that at standupwithpetedominic.com. We'll get links out on social media. Pete, thanks for taking time for us. Thank you very much uh, much for having me, Rick. You know, I've got a pie hole that works as well, and uh, it is ready to rock. Let's go. So, look, you know, I, I, I give Nikki Haley credit for the whole the positivity thing. That's her gig. Uh, but conceded awful quickly, I thought. Uh, early in the evening, very upbeat, very, hey, we're going to take on the world. But but that comment, you know, Joe Biden isn't getting any younger. I'm going, you know, have you been paying attention to Trump? Did you see his explanation of missile defense? Uh, well, was- that, that is, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't seem to know what room he's in. The, the, it seems like media, mainstream media and a lot of other corporate media is starting to catch up with that concept. They can't ignore anymore. It's hard to ignore when someone is looking incoherent or disconnected or losing their cognitive abilities and say whatever you want about Joe Biden. But you have to say whatever you want about Donald Trump, too. You 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 cannot deny that the dude is 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 missing a step from where he was even back in 2016. I mean, there's just no denial of it. So I, I, I'm happy to see what, in at least my media intake, my perception, Rick, I don't know about yours, that uh, people seem to be coming around to addressing the fact that Donald Trump, too, doesn't know he's alive. And I'm quoting Donald Trump when I say that. He said that about Joe Biden, which I actually thought was pretty funny. Donald Trump said, Joe Biden doesn't even know he's alive. And I just thought that was funny. Well, guess what? Donald Trump doesn't seem to know what state he's in or who Nikki Haley, the difference between Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi. And it's about 50 years. Yeah. No, I mean, it was interesting. That, the quote you're talking about was quite interesting to me because even in that, it was BS. All debunked stuff that they keep throwing out. And look, 
Yeah, he got Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley uh, mixed up because they look so much alike. Um, but Three even times, the even though, the, like, the punchline was BS. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I try to give. I really do give people the benefit of doubt on misspeaking as sure. a stand-up comedian, as someone who has been on live radio for a long, long time. I say the wrong thing all the time. I misspeak all the time. We all do. There's simple mistakes that occur. But he said that three times in a row. And he just kept saying Nikki Haley instead of Nancy Pelosi. And any the first time that Donald Trump has made those types of mistakes. And clearly he has lost a step. So yeah, Nikki Haley talking about, you know, that's always been her argument that Donald Trump is is the past and she's the future. That's how she's trying to present herself. But it's always been a ridiculous notion that she or anybody would be able to beat Donald Trump as well. I mean, yeah. I thought maybe a moment months back that maybe, maybe. But as soon as we saw these court, these indictments not having, not having an impact on his support, I think we realized that it was all baked in. That being said, Rick, I don't think, I don't think Donald Trump has a chance. I'm one of those weird people. We can get into it, but I, I don't, I don't think that he has a chance, a, a prayer of winning in 2024. See, I disagree. I think, I think it's, I think he's got a better than even shot. If, if things continue the way they are and Biden and the Biden campaign don't get out and do the messaging and, and the things that they need to do, I don't think they've sold people on the vision for the future, which I think they have to do. Um, but look, there was some good news here in Pennsylvania. The polling has Biden winning here. I think the more Trump speaks, uh, the more he hurts himself in, in certain areas. Uh, that's why we play this game out. And and I again, I hope I'm wrong. I wasn't wrong in 2016, but I hope I'm wrong uh, that Trump's not going to be the guy. Yeah, no, I mean, you may be right, and we both hope you're wrong about that. But I think that the indictments of Donald Trump, these court cases, are, are going to continue to hobble him. I don't think they're going to help him. I don't think he's won any new support. I mean, does anybody out there know anybody who said, you know what, in 2020, I— uh, I really didn't like Donald Trump after the insurrection. I really didn't like it. But you know what? Now, now I've he's got no new voters, no. Rick. And I think that's a huge, a huge issue. But no, I agree with that. I agree. There's he's not he's not generating new voters. My problem is I think I fear Biden is losing um, enthusiasm and that the people will stay away. And and that's where my concern in a few key places. Uh, he will easily win the popular vote. But in a few key places, you know, who knows if you can hold the vote down in certain places in, here in Pennsylvania, Trump's got a shot. And, and that's what's concerning to me. And, and the thing I've always said is, you know, Democrats fall in love. Republicans fall in line. Yeah. Um, and Democrats need that sense of, you know, I, I love this guy. I we're going to, to, to get that excitement. Republicans all fall in line. Look at what's been going on over the last couple of weeks as, you know, person after person is endorsing Trump. I'm waiting for. Honestly, I'm waiting for Mike Pence to endorse Trump. <laughs> well, that is probably going to happen. I mean, it would. He lives in the same empty barrel yeah. that people like Kevin McCarthy and uh, Nancy Mace and Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and all of these pay people who Trump has attacked their father, their wife, their own integrity. DeSantis in line, uh, of course. DeSantis most recently. He's the most recent one to kiss the ring. And before that, it was Vivek Ramaswamy, who then did the same thing. But, of course, yeah, Mike Pence would be the worst of all of them. But could you possibly see him not falling in line? You can't because 
he is an unprincipled uh, person with zero moral clarity. And there's a lot of those Republicans. But I think, Rick, the thing that keeps me – there's an article going um, that a lot of people are uh, linking to today by Sam Stein, who I think is a pretty smart guy is now over at Politico. It's titled, Donald Trump has a big problem ahead. A whole swath of Republican voters appear firmly committed to not voting for Trump in November. It's a pretty – well-written, well-researched piece, uh, and I think it matters. I, I think that there are a, a whole bunch of Republicans that are not going to vote for Donald Trump. Yeah, here in, in January. You know, but as in, we get closer to November, as I've always said, I believe Republicans. My, my line is always the same: Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. Hold on a second. I, I believe, believe they will fall in line if the economy were to get far worse somehow. That, I think, would be an issue. But it is only getting better. The stock market is breaking records. And Donald Trump is only going to get worse as these trials play out publicly. And so I don't see him winning any new people. And I see people coming, not necessarily to Joe Biden, but to the fact that things are getting better, are are better overall for by, by a lot of metrics. So, that's the hope. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's the hope. If the economy gets better... Uh, and you could point to the fact that, hey, I did this and you, you do what I said, you know, back in uh, back two years ago, big giant cardboard cutouts of Biden pointing his finger saying I did that. Uh, then, yeah, I think, uh, I think he's got it. You know, the other thing I've been making this point everywhere I go, everywhere I talk, certainly on my sh uh, daily show, Rick, is that I don't think you need to do a show every day or I need to do a show every day anymore. We, let's just let's just rest today. <laughs> Not do any more shows because the only thing that really matters, we can analyze these things day to day granularly and, and talk about what is happening in, in, in all camps. But the only thing that matters maybe is women's reproductive rights, the issue of abortion. To me, that is an issue that we just we could talk about it every day all the time and only that and we would be right to and it would be the only thing that matters. But then we would have no show. We would have nothing else to talk about. But the truth to me is that that is the issue that is going to activate more voters than any other one thing that Donald Trump represents, symbolizes a national abortion ban. And guess who knows that? The Biden campaign. They know it and they've launched their campaign specifically on that issue this week. And in their statement uh, last night when the results came in in New Hampshire, the Biden-Harris campaign statement was, tonight's results confirmed Donald Trump has all but locked up the GOP nomination and the election-denying anti-freedom MAGA movement has completed its takeover of the Republican Party. Trump is offering Americans the same extreme agenda that has cost Republican elections election after election, promising to undermine American democracy, reward the wealthy on the backs of the middle class, and ban abortion nationwide. That's their statement, partially. And I think that matters. I think that the abortion issue will animate voters so much that that will be the deciding the deciding issue as it has been in a lot of states including red states when put it up for a referendum yeah i your, th your thoughts rick no i hope so I, look you, when you're taking freedoms and you're taking rights away from people i hope it gets people upset i hope it gets people you've angry my, you've taken my freedom of cursing on your show how do you think i, I didn't do that the fcc did that blame them <laughs> I, I, I want you I want you to be able to say whatever it is that that comes out of your pie hole but there are some people who uh who, who think that's not not oh, the greatest thing. darn it gersh darn it Rick Smith. <laughs> I'm telling you abortion's the issue my friend yeah well it's it's one of the big issues but I still think you have to you have to sell people on vision 
for the future. And, and look, that's part of it, but I still think it comes back down to it. Maybe I'm just, uh, I'm just, I grew up, you know, during the, you know, the, the eighties and nineties where it's still the economy. I still think you got to sell people on vision and hope and change and steal some of the Obama stuff. I think that's where that's where it's at. The, the, the vision for the future includes reproductive rights, includes families being able to support themselves uh, with reasonable wage jobs and and communities having an identity of of being able to manufacture things again. I, I just think that all plays into it. I do. It all does play into it. But I think that it, in the, the rules have changed. I think it was always economic interests, no matter what. We vote on our own economic interests, and often, obviously, we vote against our own interests. I think that was generally true during the 80s and 90s in the elections that we've covered and followed during our lifetime and been a part of. I think it's different, Rick. You just I said think- a minute ago, though, Pete, that if we, we have a downturn, if things don't look so great, it's going to be bad. Well, I think it's true that if things if – things, if, I do think both things are true. How dare you pin me into this corner? I do think it's true that if things, if there were an economic downturn, that would sour the vote. That would keep people home. That would turn people against Joe Biden, potentially. I don't think that's going to happen. But even if it did, even if it did, I still think that the game has changed on the issue of women not having reproductive rights. I think overwhelmingly Republican women, even, uh, do not want this. And it's certainly true of, of a lot of men. I mean, a lot of men absolutely want women <laughs> to be able to get abortions, to be able to practice self-control, uh, birth control rather, you know, and because they can't practice self-control. I, I think that is going to be such an animating issue. And I just don't think that we in our lifetime have ever had anything like this, a right being taken away. When you take away a right, you lose elections. No, and, and they're paying for it. You're absolutely right. Last question Every- I've got for you. Uh, USA Today reported that the doomsday clock has moved a little bit closer, that we are, yeah. what, 90 seconds from yeah. humanity self-annihilating oh, itself, yeah. the closest to self-annihilation ever. Uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I'm a positive person. I'm an optimistic person. And here's where I start and end my day. We're alive. There has been no nuclear vaporization. And I can't believe it. I can't believe we haven't nuked each other out of existence. But something has prevented that. Some shred of humanity in the most powerful nations in the world has created a certain sense of responsibility that we are still here. We can talk about all the existential threats from climate change to nuclear holocaust to any number of other issues that we are facing, AI and so on. I wake up every day, Rick Smith, and I say, I am lucky to be alive, I am here, and I'm going to make the best of this day. So you can bring your doomsday clocks. You can put them up on my wall. You can warn me of what's going to happen. What you can't do is sour me on life, Rick Smith. I'm here. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm mindful of the moment, and this is all we have, the moment, not the past, not the future, right now. And right now ain't doomsday because I'm on the Rick Smith show. Oh, that's that's fabulous. But, you know, here's the thing that gets me. I don't ever remember there being a, a report of my lifetime that things aren't getting worse on the doomsday clock. Could there? Could we just have maybe one year where we go, no, it's 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 okay. We're, <laughs> we're okay. Well, we all should have. We should all have our own doomsday internal clock. Like, what is your own personal well-being, your own personal emotional and physical health because that your own doomsday is what, what what matters and so we should do our best to try to take care of ourselves and uh, avoid uh, sugary uh, sugar and carbs 
So I, I want to go back real quick. Do you think? Do you do you think Mike Pence will actually endorse Trump? I do. do you think he'll come out of the courtroom after testifying against him yeah. and 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 saying I'm going to endorse Absolutely. Donald Trump, the guy Absolutely. who wanted him hung by the neck? Absolutely, I think he would take a, a spot in his cabinet too. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's uh, you know, I followed Mike Pence's career, his whole his whole career uh, in Indiana when he was a congressman. He is absolutely empty. Even all his religious values are yeah. hypocritical and contradictory, as they are oft, often are. But, I mean, the, the guy has always, he once wrote an op-ed arguing for the benefits of tobacco. There you go. Trying to debunk, you know, so, so that's who he's always been. Yep. That's who he sadly will always be, uh, a hollow, hollow barrel. There you because go, Pete. I appreciate the time, brother. Pete always Durant, great. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much, our good friend Pete Dominic. For our Free Speech TV audience, thanks so much for tuning in. For our radio affiliates, we're going to take a quick break. Right back. Stick around. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So on Monday, Dean Phillips, who is running against Biden in the Democratic primary, didn't do really well. I guess did better than he thought he would do in New Hampshire. I guess 20%, something like that, uh, before they counted all the write-ins and everything else. Uh, but he you know, did okay, got, his, got a couple of names. But he... Uh, he denounced the AI-generated robocall in New Hampshire that was evidently impersonating President Biden and telling people, hey, you know what, don't bother, don't bother showing up. Just stay home. And look, I agree with Dean Phillips on this. Uh, this is wrong, shouldn't be happening, should be illegal. We should have regulations. Uh, he says, look, artificial intelligence already surround is surrounding us. Uh, it is coming at us like a freight train. He said this administration is comprehensively ill-prepared for the disruption to our economy. 40% of jobs are going to be disrupted by it. He said deep fakes are misleading and misguiding people, and we have no guardrails, no laws in place to protect us from it, and nobody willing to actually use it to increase delivery of services and reduce costs for Americans. And he goes into a whole bunch of things like this. He says, I'll tell you, this is an example of why you need regulation right now. And look, I agree. And I know the president has issued some, you know, some some executive orders on, on AI, but we got to get ahead of this and quick. Uh, the messaging is, is way too important uh, in my view. But here to share some thoughts on maybe where we go, where we take all this. Uh, I've asked my good friend David Yankovich to come talk with us. David's a Democrat, political strategist and my digital guru, my go-to guy for everything digital. David, Thanks for taking time for us. Uh, thanks for having me, Rick. But you know, you're you're putting me in a spot right off the bat with the probably the toughest question for me, which is Dean Phillips here. Look, look, I'm not thrilled at what uh, Dean Phillips jumping in. I think it's it's his right to do. Go ahead. You know, if you think you know Biden's going to take a beating in November, you go do your thing. Give voters a choice, and voters are making a choice. They're running from him, you know, like the plague. But I think he's got a point here, and, and it's what, something that I've been talking about for a very long time. We've got to get ahead of the technology that is coming that is going to cause massive disruption, massive misinformation, because we're always fighting from behind. It would be nice. It would be nice to have a functional Congress, a functional legislative body that says, hey, maybe we should solve some problems instead of continually creating them. Well, I 
have been trying for a really long time here. And I've done a really good job. I have not said one word against Dean Phillips. I haven't. There's <laughs> nothing publicly that I have said because here's my thing. The presidential primaries, all primaries. Everybody hates each other. Then 20 minutes later, everybody's going to need each other again. And you come back together and you kind of do your thing. I have said nothing bad about Dean. And I try and I I I I've really tried, but I got to tell you, this is the biggest freaking carnival hack of a loser I've ever seen running for president. In the <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like even this, we've been talking about this for seven years, Rick, you probably listened to your show and ripped it off of you. This guy doesn't have an original thought in his freaking head. Like I, I, and I, I've been quiet there. You can, you guys can all check me on my Twitter. I've been quiet. I haven't said anything. My friends work with them. Like I, I, I have tried, but holy crap, he got beat by 40 points tonight. This guy is a complete blowhard, and I, 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 I've been. I'm sorry. I, I had to blow up on this one because holy crap! Like we can't. Here's the thing: we're talking about something so important about AI taking forty percent of the jobs. We can't cite Dean Phillips. He's an idiot. Like even if no one's going to take this seriously, like it's not Dean Phillips. We have to get someone who's more credible than that. We need to encourage the president to get into this more now. You know, he's busy keeping us out of World War Three and everything else. But this is. We need real people talking about this. And Dean Phillips is not a real person. He's he's a freaking hack. And all the respect I had for him in 2018 is completely gone at this point. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I, I, I'm i with you, Rick. This is so important and critical, but we can't use him as the guy that we're using the quote for. Just, Somebody has to bring it up. And, you know, and he's, he's in a moment where uh, our media is paying attention to it, which is the reason I brought it up. Uh, but you're, you're right. You know, I've been bringing this up for years. We've been talking about this for years. And still, yeah. we don't have a functional legislative body to, to move on this stuff. Uh, and I, I think it's important that the administration use this moment uh, to, to, to do something to say, look, you know, we can solve problems. I mean, I agree with that. But the only reason why Dean Phillips is even bringing this up is because he's sucking wind and he has hired Andrew Yang's consultants to come onto the campaign. And that honestly, and that's what it is. And they know that this is an issue that guys like you and I are going to talk about, and it's going to give them some airtime, and they're going to utilize it. And I guarantee you, you're probably going to get a retweet from him because he does that to everybody on this stuff. Yeah, no, I look, know. I'm not, I'm not a Dean Phillips supporter. I wouldn't vote for him. He's yeah. not, he's not. No, uh, I, look, you know, I think Biden's doing a good job. I think he's heading in the right direction. I think his policies are moving us in a direction that I've been calling for for oh, I don't know, almost the the two decades well, I've been doing this show. Uh, the well, idea of you know producing things at home, the idea of investing here at home, the idea of, of you know giving workers the ability to fight for better wages, hours, conditions. You know, the secret sauce of my grandparents' generation. You know, that stuff that built what was the most pro prosperous, wealthiest working class in the history, not just of this country, but of humanity. Uh, I think that's worth emulating. No, I, definitely. We need to, but here's the thing. We got to talk about this stuff, like these issues. And it's not just this, you know, with AI, with everything that's coming out there, there's also the, the other benefits of it you know, they're going to come with medical research or scientific technology or whatever. So we're going to have to prepare for this. This is the big issue of like the next 20 years, yep. 30 years. I mean, this is, I thought it was going to be privacy. I thought that that was going to be the thing that bogged us down the most, but we just kind of said, screw privacy. We don't care about having privacy. You know, this is going to be what it is. It's going to be automation and taking away jobs. And we need serious people, serious people, to be talking about it and it can't be this is no no we like i said we've been talking about this for a very long time this is not new uh but you know the hope is is that you know we take these issues and move them to the front of the discussion line 
and and really put a move forward. Because look, I, I think I think there are some opportunities for Biden to use this to use what he has done uh, for the economy and the direction that he's moving us to sell people on a vision of the future that is possible. And with this AI thing, I've been saying for a long time, I want this to be the first transition. Uh, in, in history, that workers don't take it on the chin. Every time there's a technological advancement, a technological shift, it's always working people who take it on the chin. They're the ones who have to tighten the belt, struggle, suffer, whatever. This can be a moment where productive gains are widely shared instead of hoarded by the handful at the top. Uh, whatever happens in this right now, Rick, that's going to be the new world order. The, the new superpowers are going to be the people who are prepared. China's preparing, Japan's preparing, South Korea is preparing, you know, I mean, countries all over the world outside of the United States are preparing for the AI takeover and the, you know, um, automation, you know, and everything else. We are not. We're busy arguing about wokeness and pronouns and Florida and Jesus criminy. Like, I I wish that people could really wake up and see the big picture of what's going on out here, that there's a, a geopolitical World War Three situation that's unfolding. You have the next 20 years of, you know, some really hard, difficult things that we're going to have to go through in terms of automation, in terms of tech, in terms of growing and learning about ourselves and accepting each other and all these things. We're focusing on the dumbest part of everything and the, the lowest common denominator. And that's the scariest thing about me, I think, in this in this election is the communication coming from the White House, that they're not they're not getting that direness out to the regular Americans out there that are just going about their day to day lives that like we're we're coming down a mountain here and it's going to be bumpy coming up um and you're right biden has the opportunity to be the type of leader that gets on mount rushmore you know um to really take you know an fdr type of moment and build a new deal and you know get this going um i don't know if he's going to be able to do it and the only way reason i say that is because i don't know how much people are willing to come out and vote. If we give him a huge electoral win, he's going to have the coattails to get it done. If he has a squeaker and he barely beats Trump, we're going to be dealing with this again in four years. Yeah, no, this is this is the problem. And and for me, this is where, you know, look, I, we just had Pete Dominic on a, a minute ago, uh, and he said, no, it's the abortion issue. Abortion is going to be the issue. That's the that's the thing that's going to get people excited into the polls. And I, and I don't entirely disagree, but I think you've got to go out and sell people on a vision on, you know, together we can move this country and shift this country forward. And this is the destination that we can all get to. I think I think it's more than just transactional. Um, you know, I think it's more than just, hey, are you better today than you were yesterday? I think you've got to be, be talking in, in big visionary pictures, much like Obama did masterfully in 2008 with his hope and change and all of that. I think you've got to, I think you've got to tap into that. I mean, I think you and Peter both right on this one. Um, on one end, abortion is the first issue that we've had in a really long time that we are definitively beating the crap out of the Republicans with. And it's fair. And this is the first time in a long time that the majority of the country thinks that the Republicans are the party of extremists. So I, I think that, you know, Pete's right on his end on this one, that we have to keep winning where we're winning and keep hitting on these issues and telling these stories. But Rick, you're right. You know, if you want to be Obama, if you want to be a JFK or a transitional president, as Biden has said many times, he sees himself as a transitional president. If he wants to be that transitional president, then he has to have that transitional moment that you're talking about. He's got to take on that big picture um, idea and inspire people to it. Um, 
you know, and, and that's going to come down to, again, how much are we willing to put on the line for him? Are we going to come out? Are we going to vote? Are we going to give him a, you know, huge electoral landslide victory? Because then he can get this stuff done. Otherwise, this is all moot. Yeah, see, but I think that, you know, uh, reproductive rights, individual rights, individual freedoms and liberties. I think that's all part of the vision going forward. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think having the ability to 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 follow your path and and to, to be successful. I think you have to be able to sell that. Uh, and look, we did that that tour back you know November of of twenty twenty, uh, and and you know the reality is uh, the more the, the more people we talk to. As we were out, you know, you know, hitting the pavement, uh, the more we 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 got the message that people want their their pride of community. People want uh, the the ability to to build prosperous lives. Look, you know, if you want abortion to go down, this is one of the things that I've I've said for years. If if you're against abortion, one of the things that you should want is a prosperous economy that allows people to say, okay, well, maybe this happened and I want to bring children into this world. I maybe we should be passing policies to encourage people to to have children and to and to help them with childcare and help them with with health insurance and to help them with you know nutrition and all the education and all of the things that that go into raising a child, but we're not doing any of that. What we're seeing from Republicans is, well, it's just jamming your face in it. Oh, it's like the advice you gave me a while back when, you know, you're trying to talk to somebody and sell someone on something. And if you don't believe it yourself, you know, no one else is going to believe it either, you know? So you gotta, you gotta want it. Yeah. So, so how do, how does the, how do the Biden folks get this message out? And are you seeing this happening or is it too early uh, to hit that stride, uh, you as the strategist, um, are are we at a point now where maybe we start seeing a little bit more? I know Janet Yellen's in the Midwest, you know, selling the economic stuff. I'm not, as I said before, I'm not so thrilled about Granny out there selling the economic policies. But hey, you know, she's the Treasury Secretary. Uh, sure, okay. Um, when do you think that happens, or is it happening? And I'm just not seeing it. Well, I mean. From my perspective, for social media specifically on this one, in campaign, we're behind. We're like six months behind, I, I think. Um, you know, we should have been organizing. We should have been in the field. Um, I know that we can't be out canvassing and stuff until summer, you know, getting more into that time. But, you know, we're not doing anything really on digital or the organizing um, on that piece of it. I, I, I think that we're behind. Um, but country-wise, I think that the party knows what they're doing here. And they're kind of saving some of the powder kind of going for later in the year because they know, you know, Trump's under four criminal trials and, you know, there's all the things that are going to be coming. Um, so, you know, I, I got to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt on this, but I think they're behind. I think on social media, they don't have an understanding that this is the town square. This is where people are getting the majority of their information. This is where cultural trends are happening, where people are going viral and where everybody's congregating. Um, they have no understanding of that still. And um, on that sense, we are 20 years behind. We are further behind than when Obama was president. No, that- you, you're, you're not wrong in this. Uh, but, you know, whenever I hear say these people say we're going to keep the powder dry, it, it just grates on me. I'm going, well, when it's over, at least we'll have dry powder. As soon as I said that, because I know you so well, my little internal voice is like he's going to come back on that one. But the thing is, I... You know me, I will be the first one to take a haymaker at the party if I think that they're, you know, but on this one, I, I do got to give them a little bit of credit. It's almost a little bit of a wait and see on some of this stuff, because there's so many things coming down on Trump and it's not never ending. There's so many stories and everything else. But, 
you know, preparation wise, I mean, they're getting into gear now. Um, I I think that Biden is in a much stronger position tonight than Trump is. I, I I'm surprised that no one's talking about the fact that you know Trump didn't destroy Haley. Nope. You know, I mean, he had a six-way primary in the 2016, and he only had 36%. He only did a little better, and he only had two people in the race this time. I mean, no one's talking about that. And, I mean, I, I hope we now, by this point, everybody's saying just Dean needs to drop out. But, I mean, I think the story of tonight is, you know, Trump is weak. <laughs> like, that's, you know, a lot weaker than I think that uh, people understand or are seeing. But, I mean, you know, there's Republican voters crossing over tonight and saying that they're you know, they're voting against Donald Trump and voting for Haley to ensure that he stops, you know, and doesn't get there. They voted for him twice before. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. There's Trump fatigue in the country, too. People are disgusted and getting tired of his BS and everything else. So so do you uh, think there's a chance he's not the nominee? Oh, I think Trump, Trump's totally going to be the nominee. OK, I, think, I wasn't yeah. sure where you were going with that, but no. I know I think I think that Trump's going to be the nominee and I think he's going to lose to Joe Biden in November. And I think that the party's doing things the way that they should be, except that we're so far behind on digital that we need to get it together yesterday. You know, one, that, we're, we're growing. One of the sayings I, I, I use quite often is Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. Uh, and you yep. see this quite often. Uh, you know, you know, Democrats back somebody who doesn't stand a ch snowball's chance of winning, but all in, we, we give them hundreds of millions of dollars and, and then you know take the beating. Republicans fall in line, and, and we've been watching Republicans fall in line these last couple of weeks as endorsements have come for Trump. And now you've got Marjorie three names, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, warning all, any Republican who doesn't support Trump uh, here in this, this election that they will be eradicated from the party. Her word, eradicated. And this really plays into the to the Trump narrative of, of revenge and retribution if he is elected in 2024. Um, I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah, I'm just, my, my curiosity lies with who would work for Donald Trump when you know that the guy in front of you just got fired and the guy in front of them just got fired and blamed on social media and embarrassed. Like, who are these people that like still line up and they're like, oh, it's not going to happen to me. No, even worse than that, who are going bankrupt because they can't afford the legal bills. Yeah, and bank going to jail, even worse than that. Yeah, you know? yeah. But there, 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 there they are. Uh, they're lining up. And as I said earlier, uh, I'm waiting for the day when Mike Pence uh, offers his endorsement to Trump. Yeah, that's gonna be an, that's gonna be an interesting day. I'm gonna have a field day on Twitter with that one. So just to let you know already. Like we're we're gonna be making memes and having all kinds of fun. Like when he panders that way, Jesus yep. Christ, damn, no, the thing to fall in line with no backbone. Well, it is it is our GOP. Uh, but David, as always, great conversation. I appreciate you taking some time for us. I look forward to talking to you again real soon. I appreciate you, Rick. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks so much. Our good friend, David Yankovich. I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, Rick, at the thericksmithshow.com. I'm going to take a quick break right back after this. Stick around. You'll listen to The Rick Smith Show. We're working people. Come to talk. Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. 
On this day in labor history, the year was 1984. That was the day the Nestle Corporation agreed to terms in order to end a seven-year international boycott against the company. The boycott was over the unsafe and dangerous ways that Nestle marketed and sold its baby formula in third world countries. The boycott began in the United States in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It spread abroad to Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, eventually reaching 10 countries. The campaign was largely grassroots in nature, with local activists organizing different actions. In Massachusetts, boycotters ceremoniously dumped Nestle products in a Boston Nestea party. Finally, after seven years, the grassroots organizing met its goal. Nestle agreed to follow international standards for baby formula marketing. Boycotts are an important way for consumers and workers to protest corporate practices and social injustice. There have been several very influential boycotts in our nation's history. In the 1950s, the Montgomery bus boycott challenged racial discrimination in one southern city and helped to launch the civil rights movement and empower a generation to fight for equality. In the 1960s, Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta of the United Farm Workers called for a boycott of grape and lettuce growers in California. That boycott helped to bring national attention to the fight to improve pay and working conditions for Latino farm workers in California. In the 1980s, a campaign against goods made in South Africa was a stand against that country's apartheid system. In 1984, the members of the International Longshore and Warehouse Union Local 10 refused to unload a South African ship in the port of Oakland. Their action stood as a powerful statement of international worker solidarity for racial justice. Boycotts have long helped to change the course of history as citizens stand together in solidarity. You're listening to The Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. So, Minnesota Representative Peter Staub, or Stauber, I believe his name is. I think it's Staub, the baseball player. But Peter Stauber um, tweeted out, I'm proud to announce that Duluth, Minnesota and Superior, Wisconsin have received over $1 billion in federal funding to help replace uh, the Blatnick Bridge. This is a huge win for Minnesota's 8th, and I was proud to advocate for these funds. Now, the weird thing here is uh, Republican Representative Peter Stauber voted against (laughs) the bill that this money is coming from. Uh, did not support the legislation that the money is coming for, and which is interesting. If you read, if you read the the tweet, it doesn't say that I I supported. Doesn't mean that I I I fought for. Doesn't mean that I I, I went and I, I got passed. No, no, I advocated for these funds. It means that well, the bill passed, and now he goes begging for, uh, you know, someone to help him get funds for the area, and it wasn't just for him. But he's trying to make it look like he did something. He did nothing. He voted again. If it was up to him, this wouldn't be happening. And this is the thing that gets me crazy about some of these Republican representatives who vote against getting stuff done. And then when it gets done, takes credit for it. And then, you know, voters go, well, look how wonderful my congressman is. Look what he look at the bacon he brought home to our district. No, he didn't do that. He stuck it to you. He wanted you to get nothing. 
Drives me nuts. Just drives me nuts. Uh, but some inter- interesting news coming out of the Depar- Department of Labor. Active sec- Acting Secretary of Labor, Julie Sue came out with some new numbers uh, on the labor movement. 139,000 more union members in 2023. Uh, the country has 400,000 more union workers than we had in 2021. Uh, that you go, hey, you know, things are things are getting better. Uh, we're, we're seeing an increase in union members. Sad reality is, is union density in the country has gone from 10.3 uh, last year down to 10.1. So while there are more members as a matter, as a share of the workforce, it's getting smaller. And look, there's a lot of activity, a lot of people saying, hey, uh, we need we, we, we need a union. The problem is the laws are so far behind. And this is, again, is another election issue. And with 40% of the jobs on the line because of AI and because of robotics and automation and all of this stuff, you would think, you would think workers would be flocking in droves. I don't know, like 40% of the workforce who's looking at their job going, yeah, they can, they can bring a robot in to do my job. Every truck driver in the country. Hello. Um, you would think. And that, which is why I thought it was interesting. Christy Hoffman, she's the general secretary of UNI Global Union. Uh, they're they're the the big union o- over in the in Europe. Um, she had an interesting op-ed talking about you know you know empowering workers to to not just you know fight AI, but to be able to use it and reap the benefits from it. And she talked about her experience you know, working, you know, work as a steward in a, in a plant that made jet engines back in the 80s and said, look, when they in- introduced new technology, we negotiated over, hey, how's that going to be implemented? What's it going to do? Will there be any job losses? There weren't. You know, how we are going to share the, the, the wealth that's created because of this new technology. And she said, look, you know, we need to be looking at this technology to give unions an opportunity to understand and negotiate the new issue uh, at the job, negotiate job and security and income security, you know, health and safety and staffing and training and all of that stuff so that the benefits don't just go to the, well, to the, the corner office. Don't just go to the C-suite. It actually trickles down to the working people. And she pointed out the Writers Guild strike uh, that we had last summer, where for 150 days you had the writers on the, on the picket line going, no, we're not going to have AI taking our jobs. We're going to fight this. And they won a groundbreaking contract. She also p- pointed out the sag after contract, where they wanted to be able to use someone's image for one day's pay forever, on in perpetuity. And the unions fought and said no. And won. And you look at it around the globe, you got the Deutsche Telekom uh, and their works council have just issued a manifesto uh, describing a joint approach towards assessing AI. There is a way to do this that, well, can benefit working people. And that's a good thing. And, you know, Joe Biden, you know, recently signed an executive order uh, that, you know, acknowledges that all working people, all workers need a seat at the table including through collective bargaining to ensure that they benefit from these opportunities so that as the as the economy gets better, everyone gets better. Because understand, this is going to be a big thing. The forecasts on this, as she points out, are adding about $7 trillion to the, the global economy. 
uh, boosting corporate profits by almost four and a half trillion dollars. That means more money for the shareholders, more money for people to, you know, to, to hoard in their pocket. And she says, look, this shouldn't be hailed as a triumph uh, if, if it just increases inequality, if it destabilizes democracy and degrades work. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be doing this. And I agree with her. And she says, look, we must make sure AI benefits all and ensuring working bar- workers' bargaining power is the way to do that. And look, I agree. The problem is we're not solving these problems. So for me, if you want to you want to you want to start figuring out how to reunite the country, how to how to do the right things, especially in the economy, we should be organizing and fighting for for strong unions and fighting for people to negotiate this stuff. Look, I'm not a Luddite. I want technology technological gains. I want technology to make our lives easier and better. But it's got to trickle down to everybody. I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, rick at therigsmithshow.com. Uh, if you miss any portion of the program, grab the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you back here next time. You've been listening to The Rick Smith Show. Email Rick. At Rick at the Ricksmithshow.com. Until next time, this has been the Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk.